Colossians chapter 3. And the title of this message is called, Let Jesus Be the Center. And uh, it's cool, like, I've been reading like this uh, chapter pretty much throughout the whole week. I just barely started working on the message and really got stuck together and kind of try to see where it was going and the Lord just hit me. Let, let Jesus be the center. And um, since we're starting this new year, since everything's new, you know, everyone makes their New Year's resolutions, everyone wants to do something new, you know. A lot of people intend, you know, I, I want to read all, I want to read the whole Bible in a year, you know, and so they get those little, um, those little pamphlets and it tells you this is what you got to read and do this every day, and, and if you stick with that, uh, that you know, pamphlet, you'll read the whole Bible within one year. So everyone's got these new things going on new, this whole new year. Everyone wants to do something new. And me, my, my New Year's resolution, I guess you can say, is to, to know the Lord in a different way. That's, that's my New Year's resol- resolution, because... Every time we're, we're sitting together, you know, we always talk about Jesus. We always do these things, but we don't go out and be like Jesus. We, we never do that. We never do anything different. We never go out and do it, do it. You know, we talk about it so much, but we don't do it. And so my New Year's resolu- resolution is to go out and actually do it, to actually walk like Jesus, to be like Jesus. And that's why what I got from this chapter was, let Jesus be the center. And that should be our New Year's resolution, is to be different. You know, I, we always talk about here in the upper room to be different, to go out and change, uh, be changed, change people's lives, somehow do something. But really, let's let Jesus take over each and every single one of us. Let's, let's be something new this year. And um, I was really blessed this whole holiday season just, Really, um, really letting the being partaking in the blessings of the Lord to be able to help people and to be able to just tell people about Jesus and how much He loves them and so on. And um, there's a lot more to that. And I was just blessed this whole holiday season. It's just amazing, you know. And I'm pretty sure, man, just a whole bunch of people were blessed. But um, what we're going to be diving in is uh, just a lot about Paul's just talking about. Man, this is how you're. Ha- this is how you can be happy. Is in chapter three, Paul's giving us pre- pretty much the recipe on how to be happy, how to be happy with ourselves, with our life, with what we do for the Lord. So let's go on and uh, let's start with verse one to two. It says, "If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God." Set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And we'll stop right there. So, we see that Paul tells us that we have been risen with Christ. We are raised with Christ and that Christ sits at the right hand of God. We know that through the resurrection of Jesus and how he descended to heaven and he's in heaven right now preparing a place for us, and he sits at the right hand of the Father. But here's one recipe that Paul tells us to keep a happy life, you know. We need to set our minds on the things above. This is my favorite verse. If 
I've told this to everyone. Colossians 3, 2 is my verse. Like, I love this verse. This is the verse that sticks with me pretty much forever, you know? When, when Paul is talking about this, he's saying this was the center, this, this whole thing was Paul's message right here. This was the center of Paul's message is to set your heart, set your mind, set your things, set your, um, your, your goals on the things above. Most of your Bibles might say, set your minds on heavenly thoughts or heavenly things or so on. But he's saying here, live for heaven and you'll enjoy life. That's what Paul's saying. So, my point is, okay, if we were to wake up every morning, and I've discussed this with my discipleship group at camp, all my guys, these, these, pretty much this is all my guys' favorite verse now, since I've explained it to them. Let's say we wake up every morning, because usually when we wake up every morning, we're, we're, we're in a hurry, right? We're like, Oh my gosh, I got to go brush my teeth, or I got to go hop in the shower, I got to do these things. When we wake up in the morning, we always want to do these things. We have priorities set before us. Usually mine is, I wake up in the morning and, I'm, and I tell myself, oh man, I got to get ready for school, right? Most of us in here are like that, right, Taylor, right, and Casey, and Corey, and so on, <laughs> Robert hangs out with the king. <laughs> but most of our priorities when we wake up is to, is what? It's concentrated on ourselves. But here, Paul tells us that if we set our minds on the things above, we're going to enjoy life a lot more. So imagine that you woke up and you saw heaven. Imagine if you woke up, you opened your eyes, you saw heaven, you saw God, you saw Jesus, you saw the most amazing place prepared for you. With that in your mindset, how would your day be if you saw that in the morning? If the Lord sent an angel, you woke up and the angel was pointing right at heaven. How would you live your life that day? I would, I would go bananas. I'd, I'd go, I'd sell my car, I'd do everything I can in order to store treasure in heaven. That's what I would do. If I saw a glimpse of heaven, just like, the Apostle John, when he, when he saw the heaven, he was just, he was so amazed. He was like, oh my gosh, there's all these angels flying. There's, there's God at the throne. There's all these things. And Paul, or, and, and John was just going nuts. So in a sense, if we were to see heaven, if we had a glimpse of heaven, we would go bananas. You know, I, I, I wish that if I saw heaven, like, I can see my chariot right there. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh my goodness, there's all my treasure, there's my crowns, there's all these things. If we woke up with a mindset of heavenly things, it's going to change your perspective on the day that you're living that day. It's going to change your whole perspective. I guarantee you. Ask the Lord to reveal to you something the night before you go to bed and wake up with something new. Because you don't want to be bummed out. You can, you can tell which people... When you go to church, you can tell the people who are actually really happy, who enjoy who enjoys life so much. It seems like they just ran into Jesus and they know, they're just so happy. You can tell those people. You can point them out. You can say, man, that person knows Jesus. That person woke up and saw Jesus this morning. You can tell those people. In the same sense, if you were to set your minds on heavenly things, you would too. 
And how do you do that? Well, there's three points that I want to make. This, these three points is how we should live our lives. The first point is we should live for heaven because we treasure it. We should live for heaven because we treasure it. What do I mean by this? Well, when you treasure something, you keep it to you. You hold on to it. It's yours. No one can get into it. No one can tap into it. No one can take that away from you because you treasure it so much. So let's say for girls, let's say you had like the most expensive like Louis Vuitton wallet or purse or bag or something. You know, like it's, it's like the $10,000 one. You're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna show anyone that. Well, you'll show it to them, but it'll be like in a glass case or something. Cause you treasure it. You've stored it. You're, it's, no one's touching that. That's mine. That's personal. And for guys, you know, maybe it's like a 67 Chevy Chevelle, you know? <laughs> you know, Robert would be like, dude, no one's touching that, you know? That's my paint job out there. Like, we would treasure these things. So in the same sense, we should treasure heaven. Because if we do, nothing is going to break that mold, that joy of your treasure. Because if you treasure heaven, you're treasuring all the joy that God has given to you, and you're not going to forfeit it at all. You're not going to give it away. You're not going to be bummed out. In Matthew 6.21 it says, Wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So, we need to lay our, our hearts in heaven. That's where we need to lay our hearts. Because wherever our treasure is, that's where our heart is. Why? Because that's where Jesus is. That's where God is. He's in heaven. So if we were to, if we were to let's say, treasure the things on earth, let's say if I were to treasure um, my laptop, that's where my heart is. My heart is into that laptop. I just want to play video games on it. I just want to do stuff. I just want to MySpace it or whatever. That's what I want to do. That's where my heart is. So if that laptop, if, if my heart is into that laptop, I'm treasuring that. So it makes it an earthly thing, right? But if I were to treasure people, if I were to say, man, dude, God loves you guys so much. Jesus came down because he loves you guys. So my, my heart was into people, helping people. Those are, that's my treasure in heaven right there. Because Jesus loves people, and so should we. We should love everyone. In Matthew 6.20, it says, Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Wherever you invest your treasure in this world, that's where your heart is, my friend. Wherever you invest your treasure in this world, that's where your heart is. Because we know that if you were to go and invest your money into stocks, that's where your thought is. That's where your mind is. You're focusing on that. You're just like, boom, I'm going to monitor it for, the, for that whole you know, one hour to see where it goes and so on. And that's funny because me and Robert were just talking about stocks and all that game. Because what happens? He was just telling me that the stocks, they, the, that it opens at 6 o'clock in the morning, right? So people that invest in stocks, they should wake up like around 5, 5.30 in the morning. Why? So once it opens, they're investing in it. They're throwing their money in it. They're watching where that money goes, how it's going to expand and so on. 
So if we were to do the same thing with people, with whatever God wants us to do, how much more would God be interested in that? How much more would He be like, that's what I'm talking about. Oh my gosh, look at Johnny. He's, he's investing his time in each and every individual person that walks by him. Oh man, since you're doing that, your treasure is going to be filled. That's what God's saying. So in, in a sense, we should be doing that. We should invest our treasures in heaven. The second point is, we should live for heaven through our trials. The first was our treasures in heaven, or our treasures, our treasuring uh, heaven. Our next is, we should live for heaven through our trials. What do I mean by this? Well, if we've never had a trial in our life, we wouldn't be waiting for God and heaven to come. Imagine that. If you were to live this life not, not worried about trials, nothing, you wouldn't, you wouldn't access God at all. Why? Because you would live your normal life. But trials come so that you can access God and depend on God. When trials come, you have God to look forward to. You have God to be able to, to help you in need. God sends us trials so that we would be homesick for heaven because that's where we want to be. Because if you were to take a trip to, let's say, New Zealand, like I did, you know, and you're over there, you're having a blast for about, you know, three days. But then what happens? You get a little homesick, you know? You're just like, man, I wish I can go home and see my mom, see my dad, eat my mom's cooking, you know? You, you get homesick. You want to be home because, because you've missed it. In the same sense, that's what trials are for us. So that we would be sick of it. We would be, man... You know what, I'm, I'm sick of going through this, this thing, God. I'm sick of being in these situations. I just want to go, I just want to go to heaven. I, I felt like that many times. Where I would say, man, I'm sick of the trial I'm going through. I just want to go to heaven. I just want to go to heaven and forget about the trials. And that's why trials are laid before us, so that we would be thinking upon heaven, upon God. We would be actually asking God to intervene through us and helping us in those times. And the last one I wanted to bring is we live for heaven through God's timing. So, what I mean is that God has a time for each, uh, each person, each of us, to see Him, whether it's sooner or later, when we know a believer that has passed away, we know that we're going to see them again in heaven. So through His timing, His timing on each and every single individual on the face of the earth. As I was saying, we know that when a believer dies, they go to heaven. So if my mother were, <clears throat> were to die, her timing is gone, but my timing is still here. I would be more anxious to go to heaven just to see my mom, right? I would be so anxious to go because why? Because I missed her. Because I love her. And her time has passed away, but my timing is still here and God has placed me here for a reason. 
So if God has placed me here for a reason, me knowing that my mother passed away and she's in heaven, is going to want me to look forward to heaven even sooner. Way sooner, because I want to see her. So, those are the three points. Treasures, trials, and timing are three ways our hearts can be constantly set on the things above within that passage of scripture. And moving on to verse 3, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then also will appear with, will appear with Him in glory. So if we have died, and our life has been hidden with Christ, Christ should be the center of attention within our lives. Let me repeat that. If we have died, if we have put ourselves away, if we have died and our life has been hidden with Christ, meaning when I accepted Jesus Christ, I put away my past, I put away myself aside and our life has been hidden with Christ, Christ should be the center of attention within our lives. That means you just gave up yourself when you've asked Jesus into your life. You've said, you know what? This is not my life anymore. I want to follow Jesus. I want Jesus to take over my life. That's what you just said when you came into a relationship with God. So in everything we do, people should see Jesus and, when, and we should do what Jesus would do as well. That's how we should start off this whole new year. People should see Jesus within your eyes, within the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you share scripture, the way you present yourself. People should see something different about you. Everyone should see something different about you. But yes, we will fail in life, but... Christ is the center in us. So we are going to appear with Him in glory. So when we fail, when we go through trials, when we sin, when we do all these things, remember that Christ is in us. He's the center of us. He's in us. He's the center. So we're going to appear with Him in glory when we get to heaven no matter what. And a very good illustration is, let's say there's two mountains. We see two mountains right here, right? And in order to get to the other side, there, ne there needs to be a bridge. So we're here over on, uh, let's say, uh, California, okay? And for some odd reason this mountain moves over and we see that over here is heaven. We see that, man, it's glorious over here. But the only way to get across there is through a bridge. A lot of people are going to, what, try to make it. <clears throat> They're going to try to jump over here. But Jesus had, He died for our sins. So what happens? When He died on that cross, He built that bridge so that we can walk over Him we can access Him. We can use that transportation to walk over into the greatest place ever. 
and people don't believe that. They're, they're just, they don't want to take that route. They want to party hardy, and then when it comes to the end, they're going to want to try to jump over, but it's too late. But we have access with them. That's why we get to appear in glory with them. Think about that. You get to appear in heaven in front of God the Father in glory when, you, when, when, we're, when we're just a bunch of sinners. Imagine that. I sin, but Jesus lives inside me, and I appear in glory with Him? I, it doesn't make sense. Why should I appear in glory with Him when, I'm, when all I am is, is dirt, trash? Why should I? I shouldn't at all. The thoughts that go through my head each day, the, the things that I, I, I misrepresent with myself in front of people, how I think about another person and, t- and say, man, they're so dumb, blah, blah, blah. What I think about them, I shouldn't be going to heaven. I've sinned multiple times, but yet God is gracious and He still loves us the same. And that's the glorious thing right there. It's very beautiful. And moving on to verse 5. And Paul tells us here, Put to death therefore what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. We'll stop there. Paul tells us in verse 5 to 7 how to not live our life on earth. How to not live our life on earth. Paul tells us to put to death all the earthly things because living for earthly desires brings death to us physically and spiritually. We should put to death our earthly desires. It doesn't matter about the cool stuff you wear. It doesn't matter about who you hang out with, if they're cool or not. Because God is not going to judge anyone if you're cool or if you're not. Or if you're the nerd, if you're, if you're the geek. He's going to judge us each and every single one of us individually the way we are. He doesn't care about the coolest guy. He can care less about that. If you've noticed, God has used the weakest people throughout all the scriptures. He has used the lower class. He he didn't pull the greatest guy and use him. He didn't pull... uh, If it was in our time, he's not going to go pull Bill Gates and say, okay, Bill Gates, let's do this. No. He's going to take someone that actually loves him and wants to be used by him. As we see, King David, the giant slayer, he was just a little boy. And God blessed him with all these things. He, he wasn't no king before. He was just a little boy. But God chose him still. He still used him. And in the same way, we are the Gentiles. We are nothing but yet God wants to use each of us individually for His glory. Because what God is, what, I, I think what God is 
mindset is, is, man, if I can take, let's say, I'll put it in a way where you can understand. If I can take an ant, this is God. If I can take an ant and maybe have this ant move Robert's excursion, how much more would, would everyone be like astounded by, oh my goodness, that ant just moved an excursion. Everyone would see that. Right? So in the same sense, if he's taking me, if he's taking you, and he's telling you to go, um, let's say, go to uh, move mountains, how much more are people are going to look at you and say, oh my gosh, that person knows God, and that person's a nobody, and they're going to glorify God through that. How much more, how much more people are going to see that? A lot more people, rather than uh, David Copperfield trying to do it. Right? They're going to be like, oh, another magic trick. Whoopee. Because he's known for something already. And so God wants to use each and every single one of us. And so, that w so what Paul is telling us here is, do not let the earthly things here consume you. Please don't. Please, please don't. I don't care. Who cares about the watches, the Rolex, the Louis Vuitton this, the Gucci that? The, who cares? It doesn't matter. You're not taking it with you to heaven. It's not going with you. I'm sorry. You're not going to take it. When you die, that stuff is going to be burned. Or someone's going to take it and cash it in for you. And they're going to take the money. That's it. None of that stuff matters. In the same sense, when you go into a relationship with someone, or when you are looking, don't look for those earthly things, please. Look for the person that loves Jesus the most. I, I will bet you a million dollars that when you can find a person that cares more about Jesus than you, that person is going to satisfy your socks off. I'll bet a million dollars against anyone here. And I feel like we're playing poker right here. It's cool. <laughs> but... I, I guarantee the person that loves the king more, man, he's going to be, he and, or she is going to be the biggest blessing in your life. In your life. Why? Because they're not concentrating on you. They're not concentrating on the things on earth. They're concentrating on God. So if they're concentrating on God, they're there to pleasure God, to glorify God, which means they're going to bless you because they fear God, because they want to bless God. That's how they're going to be a blessing in your life. And this takes me to this story in Luke chapter 18. Don't, you don't have to turn there. It's just going to be a story. But it, when I was reading this, you know, about the earthly things and so on, Luke chapter 18, it talks about this rich ruler. So this ruler asks Jesus, you know, Jesus walking through town, this ruler goes and asks Jesus, Good teacher, how, 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 do I, how, do I, how can I inherit the kingdom of God? How can I inherit eternal life? That's what this ruler was asking Jesus. And Jesus says, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. And Jesus goes on and says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. 
do not bear false witness, honor your mother and father. So Jesus was testing this guy. He's like, okay, why do you call me good? You know, Jesus knows what's going to happen. So he's asking the rich ruler, why are you calling me a good teacher? Did you not know? No one's good except God alone. No one is good. He says, okay, well, the commandments say this. This is how you can be good. He lists off a couple of the commandments, right? And so, after he lists those commandments, he ends with, you know, honor, and, or honor your mother and father. So the ruler replies back to Jesus saying, all these I have kept from my youth. So the ruler's like, I haven't sinned. I kept all these commandments already. And Jesus is just like, you're right, you're just a sucker. I'm going to just, uh, I'll smash you right now pretty much. That's what Jesus is saying. So after this guy's, you know, he's just like, I've kept all of it. Like, I'm not a sinner. Jesus says to him, okay, but one thing you lack. And he tells him to go and sell all his possessions. Go and sell everything you got, rich ruler, and give it to the poor. And come and follow me, and you will have treasure in heaven. That's what Jesus says to this guy, right? So what did the ruler do? Man, he was like, all right, I'm going to sell everything I got and go and walk with the poor. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go walk with you, Lord, and I'm going, to go, I'm going to go give all my possessions to the poor. I'm going to do it because you're the king. No, he didn't do that. He said, he, after he heard that, he was just sad. It saddened him. Because why? He was extremely rich. He was like, he owned twice as much as Bill Gates would have. He was extremely sad when he heard that he had to sell everything, give it to the poor, and follow Jesus, and that's where his treasure would be. Isn't that sad? Doesn't that suck? I think so. Why, why would anyone do that for? If, if, if God were to come down here and tell each of us, hey, sell everything you got and follow me, I'm pretty sure each of us, after reading the scriptures, knowing these things, we would all go do it. But this rich ruler didn't do that. Why? He loved his earthly things. He loved it so much. It saddened him that he would have to do that in order to gain treasure in heaven. May, not, may that not be your hearts, guys. May that not be your hearts. May, may the things on earth not be important like that to where you're not going to follow the king at all. Please, money, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It's all going to go away. It's how you use the money to glorify God in helping the poor or blessing whomever. That's what's going to be stored up in heaven. That's the only thing that's going to be stored up. It's not how many cool looking cars you have. It's not how gigantic your house is. It's what you do and how you invest your treasure is what's going to count when we get to heaven. How you invest it. May your hearts never be in the wrong when investing your money in someone or in anything. Please, do not let that take over you. And going on in verse 8. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice slander, 
and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being reward, renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We'll stop right there. In, in verse 8, it says, But now you must put them all away. What do you have to put away first? Anger. The Greek word for anger is orge, O-R-G-E, which means a slow, simmering emotion. We've all been angry at a certain point within our lives. But when we're angry, what happens? It's slow, right? You get, it slows up, it slowly builds up when you're getting in, you're just like, Oh my gosh, you know, like I can't take this anymore. You start to get angry. You start to get upset. Paul tells us, put that away. Let it go. It's got to go. Sorry. Do not let anger consume you or take over you to the point where you're always angry. You're supposed to be happy. Referring back to Colossians 3.2. And then it goes on with wrath. In the Greek, wrath is thumos, T-H-U-M-O-S, which means hot, like a volcano, like you're just going to about to erupt. Well, do not let wrath take over you. Stuff a cork in it. Don't let your volcano blow up. Stuff a huge cork if you have to. I don't care. Do not let wrath take over you. Why? Because it's not of God. That's not godly at all. People are not going to see Jesus if you are being like this. So we see that Paul lists all these things, obscene talking from your mouth, all these, all these things. He pretty much says, put it away. You don't need it. It doesn't need to be shown. People don't need to see that. Why? They need to see Jesus. People need to see Jesus. They don't need to see your anger. They don't need to see how hot-tempered you are at all. And moving on to verse 11. Here there is <clears throat> not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarians, um, Scythian slaves, free, but or Scythian slaves, Free, but Christ is all in all. We know that Christ is it. We don't need to be barbarians. We don't need to be a slave to any of these things. We just need to be a slave to Christ. That's all we need to be. And we're going to move down to verse 12 to 14. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. In this passage of Scripture, Paul tells us, 
to put on mercy, to put on kindness, to put on humility. These are hard things to do. I know because it's hard for me to put on mercy sometimes. It's hard for me to, to when someone has a problem, they come up to me, one of my boys, whomever it is, it's hard for me to just love on them sometimes when I just want to be like, you know what, dude? You need to just stop doing drugs. You just need to stop doing this or that. But yet, Paul tells us to put on that mercy and kindness. But I think we should put on a lot of humility. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. <clears throat> when he washed the disciples' feet, he had to lower himself. Being God lowered himself in front of all his disciples and servants just to wash their feet. That's humility right there. When he was hung on that cross and everyone was making a fool of him, that's humility. When he called out a bunch of people and they're just accusing him, he still lowered himself in humility. So remember, mercy, kindness, and humility. And then Paul goes on and says, put on meekness, long-suffering, and love. Remember, love. That's what Paul was trying to lead to. Love, love, put on love. Long-suffering. I have... Sometimes I just don't have long-suffering. That's one of my hardest things to put on. Because sometimes, you know... I have, you know, my mom, she would always come in pretty much like every 30 seconds into my room when I get home, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to pay her bills for her. She comes in, okay, la, 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 and I'm like, you know, I'm just like, mom, I'm trying to, I'm paying your bills right now. She'll, she'll walk out and like wash like a fork, come back in and say something else according to the same thing. I'm, and I'm just like, okay, mom, I gotcha. Just go away. I'm trying to pay the bills and get my thing going, so leave me alone, you know? And she'll go out, you know, she'll, she'll grab a carrot, eat it, come back in, and I'm like, are you serious? Are you kidding me? Like, I just want to be alone so I can do this for you and I can give it to you and we can be fine. That's it, you know? And sometimes I almost want to blow up. I just... Will you just leave? Like, I need to concentrate here, you know? Especially when I'm doing homework. She'll just come in all the time. Like, I'm trying to concentrate. I lose track really easily. Like, if I'm focused, like, I can focus. I can shut things off. But when I'm barely getting into something, and, like, you know, I'm reading the first two lines, and something just comes, and, and she just starts talking to me, that's when I lose track, and I'm just gone. Like, I, I don't want to do this no more. You just made me lose patience in this. But long-suffering is enduring that. And that's like the hugest thing. I, I, that's the hugest thing in my life is long-suffering. I don't have long-suffering. It sucks. And it's the same way with Dakota. He was telling me that, man, his mom has long-suffering for days. Like, man, she can just endure any trial, anything, any complaint, anything, anytime. And that's what draws Dakota back to his mom sometimes. And in the same sense, that's what we should do because when we can endure that, it would draw people to us. They would want to come and 
tell you what's going on in their lives. Long-suffering. It's hard. It's very hard. I have a hard time with it, but the Lord is still working in me, and I'm praying that I get through and that I can achieve that. And pretty much, after, after talking about putting on mercy, kindness, humility, long-suffering, meekness, love, all these things, pretty much represents put on Jesus. That's it. It's to put on Jesus. It tells us in Romans 13:4, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Meaning, the way you act at church, the way you act in front of grown-ups and people at church, that's the way you should act all the time. Pretty much. So if you're putting a front on at church, hey, how's it going? Hey. You know, even though you don't like that person, you still put that front on and you're like, hey, how's it going? And you spend some time talking to them for 15 minutes, that's the way you should do it throughout your whole life, throughout the whole day. So if you're going to put on a front on at church, you might as well put that front on throughout the whole day and throughout the rest of your life because that's what the Lord Jesus Christ would want you to do. Because it tells us in Romans 13, 4, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I know we do that when we go to church. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we're doing it at church, we should do it all the days of our lives, guys. That's what I'm trying to prove right there. And we're going to go on to verse 15 and 16 and end there. 15 says, And let the peace of Christ rule in you, in your hearts, excuse me, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And that's where we're going to end. Pretty much, to sum this up, let Christ dwell within you. Let Jesus be the center of your life in everything you do. And that's why I entitled this, Let Jesus Be the Center. He should be the center. Everything we say, everything we do, everything that comes out of our mouth should be wisdom, should be loving should be kindness, should be able to bless someone. And since this is a new year, we should start it off with that, with just loving on people, just letting Jesus overflow ourselves onto others. We should be praying for people. We should be laying hands on people. It doesn't matter if you're on the phone Pray for them over the phone. It doesn't matter if you're a MySpacer. Hey, type out a prayer for them. That's what Chip did for me and Robert. Man, that was awesome. He sent me an email. He just typed out a prayer for me. And it really touched me. Those are the little things in life that really bless people. Astoundingly. It's, it's, it's amazing. When you can actually... When, when you know that someone is typing out a prayer or praying for you over the phone, even though you're not in person, but they're still doing it, because, man, they're doing it spiritually. They want it. 
Man, when they can do that for you, it means they love you, they care for you. They're thinking about you. They want you to experience what they're experiencing. That's why they do these things. And that's, what, and that's how I want to start my new year. And I hope that each and every single one of us would want to start our new years like that. To go and to just bless people in however, however way you want. And that will end that, but there's one thing I just, that was on my heart that I just want to share with you guys real fast before we end it and close it. Is the secret to being blessed, guys. The secret to just feeling that that highness of God, like you just that you just thinking blaze blaze up a doobie. You just blaze up God within yourself. You just did something where you're just off the hook. You're just feeling so holy, like man, like you're just walking on clouds. Is by blessing someone else. It really, truly is. It really, really is. And the, yesterday was one of those days for me, because I got, I, I was able to, um, we, you know, I, the Lord has put a, a family that is in need, and we were able to help them out, and I took. The mom, the little girl, and the son, because I, I announced this if you guys were, none of you guys were at Coco's, okay. Well, at Coco's, there's this family that we were trying to raise money to get them an Xbox, you know, and all this stuff. And we did, all that's done, you know, but there was one person that stood out of that, out of everyone, you know, people pitching here and there, that's cool. But one person took it even more. They came up to me and said, Brian, like, uh, it was like two days later or a day later. She came up to me and she said, Brian, the Lord laid them on my heart. And I, you know, I don't have much to give, but my talent, you know, I cut hair. I'm a hairstylist, so on. And the Lord really laid it on my heart to, if these people need a haircut or anything, let me know, you know. Like, I want to do it for free. I want to I be able to take my time out and do it for them. And so I'm like, okay, cool, you know, like, awesome, that's that's cool, you know, like, I was just like, cool, you know, I, I didn't, like, wasn't, like, all emotional about it, I was just like, cool, that's awesome. So, you know, I let the family know, and the little girl starting school today, actually, and the mom calls me and tells me, yeah, she would love a haircut before school, you know, and this family is very poor, you know, um, her husband has cancer, it's, um, it's, pretty much heading towards his liver and if it heads there and shut, it's going to shut down and he's probably, he's most likely going to die. The mom broke her back a couple of years ago and she's just in pain and they are on disability. They have nothing. They don't work. They have nothing. No food, no nothing. Their kids are skinnier than skinny, you know. So I'm, I've been really just praying with them and, you know, so on. And so when they wanted their haircut, cool, like, she called me out, like, yeah, she wants a haircut before school, so I take them over, you know, and I spent about, you know, six hours with them and hanging out, like, the girl that offered it took 
pretty much about seven, eight hours out of her day to invest into this family and to bless them with that. And they were truly, truly blessed. And everyone's crying at the shop, and I'm like, oh, gosh, this is a girl moment right now. You know? <laughs> like, geez, why do I got to get stuck in the girl moment for, man? Yeah, you're really not good at that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not good at the girl moment, you know, I'll try to pat you on the back or something, but I'm not good with that, you know, like, oh man, girl moment, Jesus, I'm standing there, and like, I'm watching them cry and hug each other, I'm like, man, but it was awesome though, she invested eight hours into, yeah, she invested eight hours, but my point is this girl was blessed to be able to take out her time like that to bless this family to see them go through the emotions and to experience the emotions with them Mm -hmm. this young lady was just blessed that she was being sensitive to the spirit of God she was blessed like she she had no words. It, it, the 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 blessing, the facial expressions on that family's face is all she wants. She understands now. That's the thing. She understands what how to how to receive blessings in life. That's the spiritual high right now. When you can invest your time into doing something for a family or for someone that is hurting, when you can invest whatever gift you have. Whether you're good at making paper airplanes or whatever it is, and you can take your gift that you know what to do and invest in that, it's going to be the hugest blessing for you. I guarantee you that. I guarantee. You know, you know, you know. We we know our two um, hospice patients, right? Well, I visited them um, before. Uh, what's it called, Christmas, and then after Christmas, you know, I just go by myself and just to visit them and so on, you know, and one of the, one of the ladies' name is Tootsie, you know, well, I call her Tootsie. <laughs> She's cute. Yeah. 94 years old. Nine, she's 96. 96. But I call her Tootsie. I forgot her real name because I call her Tootsie. Uh, uh, not Federy. No. Not Federy. Uh, no, no, Federy. It's, it's another... It's Truella. Truella. Her name's Truella. But I call her Tootsie, you know? She's as frail as Exactly, see? And so I would go in by myself and hang out with Federie Ray and Truella. Uh, and it's awesome, you know? These people just, they're, they're just there sit in that bed all day, no one to talk to, whatever. But I would go in and hang out with them. And just because of me being sensitive to the Lord and wanting to do this whole hospice thing in the first place and to be able to invest my time, my treasure into that, it blesses their hearts big time, you know. Like every time I walk away from Tootsie's room, she's just like, pretty much don't go, you know. She's like trying to grab onto me like, don't go. And... Like, she'll blow kisses for me and Robert. Like, when we came in there, she blew us kisses when we were leaving. It's the way you invest your gifts, your time into people, into something that's... That's how you get that spiritual high. That's when I'm walking on clouds, and if someone's trying to bust, burst my bubble, I'm going to be like, whoop, 
nope, I don't hear it. I'm just walking on the cloud. That's how you invest your time, guys. And I want that to be a new year for each of us. How to invest our gifts. Because each of us have a gift. No, no question, no doubt about it. We all have a gift that the Lord has given to us where we are the master in it. You just have to figure out what's that gift. Ask the Lord, what's that gift for, that He's installed in each of you for this new year and take that gift and invest in it. Me, I'm still searching for my gift. I have no idea what it is. Zero, you know? But you guys might know what your gifts are. Figure out what, the, what gift it is and master in it. Continue to master in it so that you can bless people by it. So that you can start slinging that stuff, man, that G-O-D that the, that the Lord's given you, you know. Master that. Invest in it. And I, and I promise you, you will be blessed. No questions about it. You will be blessed. You're not going to understand the feeling. You're not going to have words to describe the feeling, but you know you're going to be walking on clouds and you, saw, you just saw the Lord move for sure. So that's what I challenge each of you guys. Corey, going back to Bible college, you know, like, right? Going back yeah. to the semester. Figure out your gift. Bless people in that college, man. Figure out what you're good at, what you're the master in. Like, you, ha- you have a gift where you're the master in. Master it, find out, and, let, and light other people on fire. Same thing with you, Taylor. You're a senior. Last year. You have this last year, this last six, four semesters, well, or months, excuse me. You have that. Figure out what your talent is. Figure out what, the, what gift that God has given you. And show that to people so that when you graduate, people are going to remember that. They're going to remember Oh my gosh, I remember Taylor Jonker. She just prays all day for everyone. At lunch, she just goes nuts. Do something to where people are going to remember that. You know? And I'm not going to be boasting in Corey at all, but I'm going to boast in what God has done um, through Corey's life at his school. When he left, you know, like, he left and the Christian club there was huge. It's a huge Christian club at North High School. And I remember going over there to teach with Jeremy. And every time I go over there... I'm talking, there's at least 50 kids in that room just like packed in there like wanting to know what's going on. And I remember talking to the leaders. There's two leaders. I forgot their names, but there's two leaders there. I'm like, man, what is it? How, how come your club here is huge than Ramona, than all these other clubs? Like, what's going on here? He's like, dude, Corey, man. He, some, the Lord used Corey somehow. And that's what I found out from each kid. I'm just like, no way, praise the Lord. That, that's insane. When you can leave a legacy like that, it's insane. Just like when you die, what kind of legacy are you going to leave? So my encouragement is, please, start this new year off with figuring out what your gift is. Master in it. And start lighting people up and so that they can be like, man, praise God for that person, Lord, man. Thank you so much I needed that. So please, guys. That's my encouragement for you. I'm not boasting in Corey, but I'm boasting in what God has done through each of us here and through Corey. So, let's be different. Let's walk out of here different, please. You know, if you want to know more about where your gift is, it's in Romans 12. Look at it. 
see which one's your gift. So let's pray and be on our way. Father, we just, Lord, we thank you for this night that you've given us. Lord, we thank you that you love us, that you want to use us. God, you don't even have to use us. You can use the rocks right outside, but yet you you consider us first, God. And that you're crazy about us. You're always thinking about us, Lord. And Father, we thank you so much that you love us that much. And God, I ask, Lord, that tonight that you would lay our gifts on our hearts, God, that you would help us, that you would reveal to us what you have for us, Lord, that we would notice it and master in it, God, and be able to bless people with the gift that you've given us, Lord, and that people would see you and recognize that it's you, Lord, and they would give all glory and praise to you, Lord. So, Father, whether it's to be a servant, whether it's to be a shepherd, whether it's to to lead and guide or to rebuke or to teach, whatever it is, God, would you please reveal it to us, God, we ask. And Lord, we, we just want to use these gifts to honor you more and that people would see Jesus, Lord. And Lord, as we talked about letting Jesus be the center, would would you put that on our hearts, God, that whatever we do, we would put aside ourselves and have Jesus first. People would see Jesus. That's all we want to do, God. So, Father, please, Lord, use us, God. Help us to think about heavenly things, not the earthly things, God, because it's worthless. Help us to think about what we can do for you and how to store up treasure in this life, Lord. So, God, please go before us. Anoint us with your Spirit. Get us home safe tonight, Lord. But most of all, we're looking forward for your kingdom to come and your will to be done always, Lord. We can't wait to meet with you, to hang out with you, God. But most of all, to just glorify you and praise you for everything you do, God. So, Lord... As we go our way tonight, reveal to us something special tonight, Lord, we ask. So, Lord, we thank you, we love you, we praise you, God. All glory goes to you, my King. And Father, help us to be different people as we walk out of this place. We thank you, we love you, pray your will be done, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.